We're back. Yes, people. And if you don't know it already, I'm Cheeto. And I'm Christine. We have a great lineup for you. In Hot Topics, we talk the controversial Pepsi ad and the school banning students from wearing their hair in cornrows. And in our topic of today, we talk period pride. And finally, in our minority spotlight, we have the up-and-coming comedian extraordinaire Joe White and his supporting act Jason Wood. Stay tuned. Firstly, a shout out to one of our listeners, Shawit, and her blog, Misplacement Rambles. Thanks for linking us to the article in The Guardian about a school in Melbourne banning students, two students, from wearing their hair in braids and cornrows. Chiro, mm. what did you think about that? You have braids right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. It was just silly. So I just don't understand it. I don't know. Maybe they were trying to get on board with the discrimination movement or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think there's a discrimination movement. Oh, there is. There is. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, according to the Guardian article, the school said that the braids were not what the school uh, wanted to represent. Whatever that means. What does that mean? That <laughs> is the issue. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so the students actually went and they took it to the media and told the story about how yeah, they were not allowed to wear braids to school, which is just crazy. And I'm glad the students felt empowered enough to take that story to the media. Yes. Yeah. Know I mean, your rights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So they were saying that it was stifling their cultural expression, but also just from a practical standpoint, the manageability. It's way more, you know, easy to manage your hair. Natural mm-hmm. black Afro hair in braids or, you know, protective styles like that. So I think there needs to be some more education around what black hair, Afro hair is like. I, I, I'm just like, I don't know if those, like, whoever was in charge would be willing to do that, given that they just pretty much X'd them for yeah. having but this, their hair in a nice, neat hairstyle. Precisely. That's why I think I it's like, it. if it's neat, what's the problem? And I think they also try to liken it to, well, we don't allow the white students who have braids to get braids done on holiday to come back to school with them. But I'm like, that's not the same thing. No, it's not. It's very different. <laughs> it's not like a little vacation thing that you've done. It's one of the it's best ways to keep your hair. literally how I keep my hair for most of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so boo to that school. Yay to the students and yay to Shewit for telling us what's up. Yeah. And so now uh, the other day, Christine and I were talking about whether big companies should be social activists per se. And sometimes, yes, but recently we've just had a massive case where I give that a massive no. I'm talking about Pepsi's Live For Now campaign, which was trying to be globally uniting and uh, and all other things, but they just got it wrong. <laughs> It was so bad. Like, I I was laughing because I was like, this is so bad. I don't know how they approved Kendall Jenner approaching police officers at a weird protest riot and giving them Pepsi and suddenly everything's okay. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it was a very odd commercial 
I think even just from the get-go, because they were trying to depict protests, but to me, it looked like a festival. It's like, why are these people happy <laughs> and dancing? Like, it looked like a block party to me more than... Yeah, it did, actually. You know, like yeah. a, a protest. Um, so that was weird. The reactions to it was, you know, some people got really mad about it, saying that Pepsi was making light of very serious, uh, you know, political climate with Black Lives Matter, LGBTIQIA plus rights and all that. For me personally, when I watched it, I was like, okay, I wasn't enraged like some people were, but I was just like, okay, that was dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't. Get it. Yeah. Don't get it. But at all, all the, the comedians did fantastic takedowns. If you look up YouTube, um, you get compilations now. Trevor Noah, Stephen Colbert, I'm sure Jimmy Kimmel was on it. It, 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 it gave people a lot of content to go on. Yeah. But you know what? What, yeah. what I will say is that I do, I still like, you know, I love America. I love that, uh, the company did take a bold step in trying something mm. different. It wasn't, you know, well executed. I think it was probably someone who had good intentions, wanting to show diversity and like love and all that kind of stuff. But then putting Kendall, Kendall Jenner. Jenner and giving the <laughs> Pepsi can at the end, that was just weird. Like, I kind of agree with uh, one of the hosts on The Real who said, maybe if they had just shown like the protests and whatnot, and then at the end put like Pepsi supports equal rights or something, not like, you know, blatant, we're selling our soda to you. <laughs> then maybe I would have been okay with it. But in any case, you know, I, I still give them a thumbs up for trying something different. No. It's way better Everyone's than some of the Everyone's been giving them a thumbs up because they tried it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. No, 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 no. They spent millions of dollars, went through millions of people. And I'm just like, I don't understand. I don't understand how you could have got it that wrong. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so that's what's up. Stay tuned. We have a very interesting topic coming up. Period pride. It is topic time. And today we're talking about a uh, rather interesting cultural taboo uh, around menstruation and period pride or the recent wave of pride in having a period. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Chido, I don't know if you've been keeping up with uh, the latest on the Twitter sphere and all that. And, you know, people live tweeting their I'm periods. Not on okay. Whatever <laughs> channels Facebook, I suppose you're a Facebook super user. But just wanted to find out from you, what do you make of this period pride? Well, I think it's great. You know, I just, I remember when I first got my period, like, you know, it was all secretive and, you know, I cried because... You cried? <laughs> Why did you cry? Well, I don't know. It was very emotional for me. I didn't understand. <laughs> Understand what was happening, and then I told a sister, not you, um, a different one. Okay, <laughs> we laughed. only have one other sister. <laughs> she laughed, and she was like, "Ha you have your period." And then I just started crying. <laughs> and then, and then I remember you came home the one holiday, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, do I tell her that I have my period now? Like, is that a thing that you talk?" About? <laughs> So I think it's great. Yeah, Wait, can... did you did you tell me? Did you? No, tell me? I didn't tell you because I was just like, nah, I'm too scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. When I got my first period, I was really excited. 
about it because I was like, "Ooh, this means I'm a woman now." <laughs> you know, like I was really excited about that whole like, now I'm a woman. I felt like I was on the same level now as <laughs> a mom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> equal footing. I think my mom told me that. Oh, our mom told me that. Like. We weren't on the same footing. She said, "You're a woman now, but not like me." <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So your experience is so different. But yeah, I remember being excited, and I remember just sitting on my bed with um, pads and being like, "Wow." Um. So- soon after that, I just lost all excitement for it, <laughs> and it's been downhill ever since. But yeah, it's interesting that you said that, like you felt scared to even talk about it because I was listening to a podcast, Stuff Mom Never Told You, and they were talking about this taboo around periods and sort of like the anthropological roots of it. And it kind of dates back to people thinking that a woman's period is some type of uncleanliness Mm. and it was often linked to like spirituality. So I think they mentioned that in ancient Persia, they would actually lash women whose periods uh, didn't end after four days because they thought that there was something wrong with you spiritually that needed to be lashed out. Can you imagine? That is awful. So I think that's also uh, sustained itself, Uh, that angle. Um, Certain religions as well have this thing of if a woman is menstruating, then she's unclean. You can't touch her. You can't touch objects that she's touched. I sometimes think that some men also have that view Really? In in relationships with women, the whole like no to period six and like I haven't but, come across that. Oh well it's it's a thing. Really? Some guys are like, You're on your period now. Hmm. Okay, mm. well I mean like I It's a I whole thing be- like, Oh, it's gross. It is gross though. <laughs> that gross. <laughs> it is so <laughs> disgusting. I don't know about what your flow is like, but I'm like a heavy flow type of girl. So for me, mm-mm, it is not pretty down there. So <laughs> I feel very unsexy during my period anyway. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, to be bleeding for seven days and it's not like cutesy blood, you know, it's like clots. You know I, mean? I, I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, I, I think it's nice that we're finally embracing it. Like, I was reading an article that in uh, Zambia, apparently, they have the provision for what's known as a Mother's Day. Um, and not, we're not talking about May Mother's Day. We're talking about allowing women to take a day off from work. Women, all women actually, who are of menstrual age, in order to, you know, go home, you know, just, just rest up because sometimes those cramps can just ruin your whole day. Okay, but, uh, okay, the thing about Mother's Day, okay, first of all, the fact that it's called Mother's Day and not period day, that says something in itself that we're, they're not 100% comfortable with it in Zambia yet. Hey, to call at least they're comfortable day. enough to recognize it. Okay, but criticism of this Mother's Day in Zambia yeah. is that this is kind of exacerbating this stereotype that women cannot function while they're on their periods and this is why women cannot run countries why they shouldn't you know run companies while they shouldn't be judges because they might get their period so some women are are not on board with this you know one day a month off thing you know i think we could say a lot about men running things that could be mean and hurtful and i don't think they're taking a day off because you're sick kind of like for some people it's really really bad and i think that needs to be acknowledged and it's unfair to just expect someone to be performing at their highest level on a day when they're like not feeling great like you know sometimes you need a day off you know 
I think it's a great idea. I would. I mean, take, I would. Yes, take. I <laughs> would. I would gladly participate and take the day off. But deep down inside, I'd be like, "Oh, is this sending a message that I'm so delicate and frail that I can't even like?" I get some people have really bad cramps. I have really bad cramps. I have to pop like four ibuprofen to get through Ooh. a day two. Yeah, it's really bad. But you know. I still go about my business. So that's why I'm just like, I don't want that to be an excuse for someone like Hillary Clinton not being elected into office. You know, I don't think it'd be like that. No, I think some it's... people said that I, w- I was watching um, an insert on The Daily Show and they were interviewing Donald Trump supporters and they're like, why aren't you voting for Hillary? They're like, well, you know, she, she might get a period <laughs> and then, you know, set off the nukes. I don't think it potentiates anything. I think it's just giving us equal footing. Like, we are not the same. Like, biologically, we are not the same. So, therefore, we can't be expected to... I'm all about equity. Like, you know, Parody. equity encompasses equality, plus making sure people are on the same level playing field. Because we cannot be on the same level p- playing field if we're already very different and on different starting points. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Can't really argue with that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that's something that they will uh, decide to, you know, take up in Australia as well. Because, yeesh, yeah, I could use a day off. Mm-hmm. Anywho, I think we're coming up to the end of this segment. So, listeners, if you have any opinions on period pride, is it TMI to be live tweeting your period? I think so. Probably could go without knowing that information. Chido <laughs> likes it. <laughs> I, I didn't say I like it. I mean, it's just... <laughs> Do whatever you want. It's your social media page. If you don't want to see it, don't look at it. Sometimes you can't avoid it. <laughs> so, anywho, yeah, we want to hear your opinions. Also, stories about what it was like when you got your first period. Yeah. That would be interesting and exciting to read. So, the email address is sassyinozsos at gmail.com. Up next, Minority Spotlight. So today we have Joe White, a comedian. Yay! So Joe White is Ethiopian, born in Sudan, raised in Australia. So Joe's career started out with the launch of his first solo show, Ethiopian and Not Hungry. These have won the following awards. Perch Fringe Festival Gong Con- Comedy 2016. Mandura Crab Fest Comedy 2016. Perth Next Gen Comedy 2016. Western Australian Funny Faces 2016 Runner-Up. Joe Joe's recently was also chosen to support international comedian Maz Jobrani in early 2016. For those of you who don't know, Maz is a brilliant stand-up comic who has featured in many films including The Interpreter, Dragonfly and Friday After Next. And joining us along with Joe is his support MC act Jason Wood. So everybody make them welcome. Yay. Yay. Thank you for having us, ladies. Thank you very much. No. That, that has to be the longest intro I've ever had. Well, you've got a very right. impressive resume. Yeah. It is. Thank you very much. That, that was the shortest intro I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jason. Congrats on all the success you've had so far in comedy. But, you know, I do have to ask you, you know, because Chiro and I grew up in a black African household and comedy wasn't exactly on the list of acceptable career paths. No. So just wanted to hear from you what your experience has been like, you know, when you decided that you're going to pursue comedy 
Yeah, like you said, it's a, in, in an African household, it's it's frowned upon, I reckon. Um, my mom always wanted us, you know, to be either doctors, engineers, or, you know, someone just to go. She wanted us to go to uni. Bottom line is, you know, African parents, most of them believe if you go to uni, then you'll be successful, which she, she was always, I guess, encouraging me to go to uni. And at one stage I was, I was doing finance uh, halfway well, not halfway, but first year, I just went, nah, I'm going to pursue comedy because it's hard, you know, to try and do comedy and study full-time and comedy part. It was just so hard, and every time I tried to to work on my assignments and stuff, I just kept thinking about comedy. I kept getting drawn into it, and eventually uh, I had to make a decision, and I was just like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do comedy. And I was studying online, so for a good six months, I was telling my mum I was still studying. Um, and she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty confident. She still thinks I'm studying online. <laughs> but yeah, I've stopped. Um, I'm just, yeah, just full on comedy. So that's why uh, I've been in the game, obviously not long, but the amount of work I put into it is the reason why it's been very well received. Yeah. So is your family very supportive of you now, now that you're getting some popularity and making a name up for yourself? At first, um, no. Which yeah. is understandable, I guess. At first, it's just like, ah, oh, it's a phase he's going through. But then now that there is, you know, like my mom's come to one of my shows and so she's seen me on stage and, you know, she was in tears. She was laughing and half of the stuff was about her, right? So the whole time, she's <laughs> just like, ah, oh, it is so true. It is so true. I do that. I'm like, be quiet, mom. You're heckling me. Yeah. Um, so she saw me in action and she was just amazed. Um, and then she saw the number of people that actually came out to support um, and I think that's what convinced her that there could be something there. Uh, and now that there is, you know, a few accolades behind it and, you know, a lot of traveling to actually do the shows. Um, yeah, my mom's on board now. She's like, just talk about me. That's, that's all I want you to do. I'm like, it doesn't work like that. But, yeah, <laughs> that's, so that's awesome. Good. And what about you, Jason? Um, you're South African. Um, you're growing up here as well. I think my experience differs to Joe's a little bit in the sense that uh, my parents raised us from birth in Australia, so I didn't grow up so much in a quote-unquote African household. It was, you know, very westernized and stuff like that. But I've I've not been doing comedy for very long, and when I told my parents that that's what I want to do as a career and pursue, my dad's response was, "Well, go and do it then." You know, like if if you decide you want to do something and you believe you've got a talent for it, then there shouldn't be anything holding you back. Um, and my mum was very similar in, in the support, but she was more of the emotional side. You know, oh my God, my baby's following his dream. And you know, <laughs> they've, they've been to every single gig I've done in oh. Perth oh. to this point. So I'm very blessed that they're very supportive of it. Brother and sister, not so much because I don't think I'm that funny, but <laughs> <laughs> I think they're just haters. They're just haters. They're jealous. <laughs> Okay, that's awesome, though, that you've got support. Mm. Okay, moving on now, Joe, talking about your show. Your show is called uh, Ethiopian and Still Not Hungry. Quite a provocative title. Can you talk about why you decided to call your show that? Well, my first show was Ethiopian Not Hungry, and that the title itself made a lot of people laugh, you know, which and the show itself was a massive success. So if you can look at a poster of a show and the title alone made you laugh, then there is a very big chance that you're going to come to the show. You know, So, I mean, the whole idea of when I get on stage, it's I'm trying to, okay, cool. If it ends up being very educational, then great. You know, But what I want to do is entertain you. That's why I'm up there. So a lot of the stuff that I say up there, is, it, it's a joke, right? But mm -hmm. the Ethiopian and Not Hungry was a success, and everyone kept talking about it. And they're like, how did you come up with that name? How did you come up with that name? 
And so I thought, wow, if it's getting this much attention, I don't want to lose that title. So how do I continue on with that title without it being the same title? And so I just said, why don't I put Still Not Hungry? So I did that with the second show and it's just, yeah, it's just been a massive hit again, which is great. But to be honest, the the way I came up with that title was uh, when I first came on as a comic, you know, I had no idea. I just wanted to make people laugh. I thought it was funny if I went up on stage and told people that I was Ethiopian and not hungry. <laughs> and then that, that would get response. I was like, cool, I'll just call the, the show that. Yeah. That's honestly how the name came about. There's no other creativity or anything behind yeah, it. It's just yeah. that. Did anyone like give you any backlash on the title at all? Like saying, oh, you're perpetuating or calling upon stereotypes of African people? And, and that's honestly what I expected, but it's been the other way around. Yeah. Wow. I began a lot of people coming up to me and they're like, yeah, you tell them, Joe, we are not hungry. <laughs> I'm yes. like, what? They're like, yes, you're telling people that Ethiopians are not hungry. I'm like, I guess I am. <laughs> but you know, in my head, I'm like... Well, cool. There's not argument there. Everyone's everyone's for the title, you know. Yeah, so yeah. everyone reads it differently. Yeah. Some people go, "Oh, you know, exactly what you said." So it's you're stereotyping. At the end of the day, if you come to my show, there's a lot of stereotyping in it. You know, it's all about what it's like being Ethiopian, Westernized, uh, in a house with a very culturalized mum, and just the interactions that happen on day to day life. You know, when I go out in public with her, how she behaves to certain Western things and how I have to explain it to her and how she doesn't understand um, the English barrier. There's problems there as well. Um, I, if I had to tell you one, I remember there was one time where we had a lot of Caucasian friends there at, at my mum's house. And they're all my mom's friends and, you know, African parents, they like to show that they're disciplined, you know, their kids are disciplined. And one of the, the daughters of their Caucasian parents, she had a little dog. Um, and my niece, she grabbed the dog off her and my mom wanted to show, you know, the parents, oh, no, no, I'll explain to her. It's not hers and she'll give it back and took the, the leash off my niece and she's standing there in front of everyone just going, I, my niece's name is Nova, by the way. And she's going, Nova, I am not your dog. and she was just so confident and repetitive she's like i am not your dog and i'm looking at her like no mom cut it it's he is not your dog and she goes shut up (laughs) so you know like just moments like that and i take it away and i add a little bit you know creativity behind it maybe change the scenario a little Mm. bit everyday life man that's how my material Mm. comes about yeah. So um, Jason's going to be opening for your show. Can you tell us why you've chosen to have Jason opening? I've seen a lot of comics uh, in the scene. I've performed with a lot. I've had a lot support me uh, within Perth and then one show in Sydney and one show in Adelaide. I've always had someone from Perth come in. Uh, Melbourne is different. You know, Melbourne is the hub of Australian comedy. So I needed someone who was very confident on stage, someone who... I was confident in knowing that if anything was to go wrong, like if we were to have technical issues, that they weren't going to panic, you know, and I needed someone that I knew was going to be so comfortable on stage that the audience will be comfortable. I needed someone that could freestyle, you know, Mm. ad-lib, go with it and be funny as well. And then I got called in to do, to be part of a showcase uh, in Perth. And that's the first time um, I actually saw Jason in action. And he was the first one up. And, yeah, the crowd was clapping and dancing and singing along with him. Have you seen Jason dance? No. no Jason is a dancer, ladies Jason's a comedian, part-time, full-time dancer. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've seen him do his dance on stage yeah. with the music, getting the audience to clap. And I was like, man, 
this is what I need in Melbourne. And, you know, I didn't tell him on the night, but leading up to my Melbourne shows, I got in touch and I was like, man, I need your talent in Melbourne. And he was more than happy to come on board. And I'm very, very honored. And yes, yeah, not only is he a good MC support, but he's also a top bloke to be around. Awesome. Awesome. I think we should I'm gonna blush. <laughs> Once we're offline, I'll tell you the truth about Jason. <laughs> Jason, what was it like for you getting that call? Like it was to be Melbourne honest, it was insane. Yeah, um, I didn't say it that way. Captain Mel, I just want you there. <laughs> he did. <laughs> um, yeah, to be honest, I hadn't done very much comedy last year at all, and that was only my second time being on stage for the whole year. And I knew Joe was actually taking his show over to Melbourne, and I honestly hadn't thought anything of like I would have never in a million years got, years gone up to him and said, "Hey, I want to be your support actor. I want to be your MC." And then he saw me do that night, uh, and I MC'd and I did my own little spot as well. And then when he asked me, there was literally zero hesitancy in my head to say no. Like, there's no way any amateur comedian who wants to do it as a profession would ever turn down that sort of opportunity. So for the first three months of this year, all my mindset has been on is making the opportunity, you know, do as best for me as it possibly can. And at the same time, pushing Joe's show and making the experience that the people come to watch him, you know, warm them up and get them in the best possible mind frame and mood to just laugh even more when he gets on stage. So, yeah, I took it as an extremely large blessing that he has the confidence in me to have that faith in someone to make sure that they're doing the same job every night and getting them up. So, yeah, I'm taking it as a very big blessing. I'm very honoured to be there on stage with him as well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to checking out the show. Be there. Yeah. Cool. When are you Friday. coming? Friday. Friday Next night. Friday. Ooh, yeah, I'm bringing my Friday squad. Nice. My squad of like two hundred. It's going to be so awkward if there's one person that comes with you. <laughs> Probably. Or by yourself. <laughs> Just the way Chiro looked at you when you said squad is a like, what squad? <laughs> yeah. yeah All I know, no. you got one friend. The thing is, like, my friend and I tried to have squad goals the one time, and it was just like a mess. Like, you know, trying to organize like 10, 11 people. So we're like, nah, that's it. That's it for squad goals. We're going to yeah. be our own squad. <laughs> yeah. That's always fun. But Joe, so since you've been in the scene for longer, I'm sure there have been moments when you've had kind of, I don't know, that moment where it's like, is comedy really meant for me? Like, have you, but have you ever had those super demoralizing moments? And how have you gotten over that? Oh man, moment? that, you know what, Chido, that is yeah. an awesome question. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I wrote it. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Chido. laughs> oh, boy. I love the honesty. I don't think we can, uh, we can get any more higher laugh point than that. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I wrote it, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so good. Said with so much confidence as well. <laughs> And honesty behind it, which is great. Um, that is a good question. Yes, yes, I've had that moment. Uh, when I first decided, you know what, I'm going to pursue comedy, I was 110% sure that this is what I wanted to do. And so that's why I think from day one, when I went into comedy, it was 100% commitment. There was no but so if I, I worked hard, you know, late night, I'd be rehearsing at 11 p.m. at night, you know, one hour set rehearsal um, for my shows to come. I'd rehearse every day for nearly a month uh, before my show just so to make sure I don't forget my material. I don't know if that's how comedians rehearsed or not, but that's what I needed to do to be confident in myself. And, um, and it worked for me. And so I've just been doing it my way. I've been performing and it's been very well received, but not all the time. 
Mm. Right. I remember when I went out of my comfort zone, that's the best part, you know, when you get out of your comfort zone, cause you know, it's the best way to grow. Right. So I, I flew to Melbourne to do 10 minute sets here and there. And I was at a bar and there was a Motown show going on and the producer asked me to jump up and do 10 minutes. Now Motown showed nothing to do with comedy. There was, you know, the crowd was probably 60 and above and I jumped up on stage and did 10 minute set and went down great. And then the next crowd came in, I jumped up and did the same set and there was no response. Mm -hmm. Everyone just kept looking at me and they're going, ah, Jesus, that young man, poor mum. And then there was one lady in the front that was just dying. She was laughing so hard. And, you know, when I say hard, like, you know, when you're laughing and you just, you have to stop for a breather and she was just laughing and I kept looking at her and I started laughing. I'm like, thank God you're here, you know, and I just. And then I went backstage. I couldn't explain what happened. And I was having doubts in my mind. Like, you know, am I not as good as I thought? Is this really for me? You know, so there's all these thoughts going through my mind. And then she came backstage. She's like, oh, young man, I thought you were fantastic. I don't know what's wrong with everyone. I was just like, thanks, mum. You know, she gave me a cuddle. She was just very supportive. But I guess you have to go through moments like that to find that one person that supports or that, that has your sense of humor. And at the end of the day, I do it because it makes me laugh. When it makes me laugh, I believe it will make my audience laugh. And if it doesn't make you laugh, then you're not my audience and I'm not your type of humor. It doesn't mean I'm not funny and it doesn't mean you're a bad audience. It just means our humors are differently. And so some, another comic, would, Jason might make you laugh and I might not make you laugh. doesn't mean that Jason's funny or I'm funny. It just means you, know, you relate more to me or to Jason. But you got to go through those moments to find your audience. Mm. Yeah. And on that, what has the best thing about doing comedy been so far? Man, the best thing has to be having my friends on the journey with me, you know. Aww. My friends. Uh, my, <laughs> His my, friends are here yeah, right my now. Friends, they're all sitting back there eating all your food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat everything, guys. I have to pay for that. No, don't. Um, that's, that has to be the best. It's, it's an experience. Comedy is just an experience for me. It's a journey. It's, it's not everything about me in my life. You know, there's a lot to my life than just comedy, mm-hmm. but comedy is one aspect of it and it creates a lot of amazing moments, you know, traveling, just setting up a show, pushing marketing, doing podcasts, radio interviews, taking pictures, going to events. And the best part is all these events, I don't show up alone. I show up with my you know, mate from Perth who's been my friend for over 10 years now. Uh, my mate Michael, who I've met in Melbourne and has just been, like, no doubt he's going to be a long-time friend, very funny guy. He's going to do comedy as well. I've been teaching him a bit of uh, comedy. So he's going to jump up and do five minutes at one of my shows just to give him an idea. You know, Jason on the road with me and he's been very supportive and no doubt when we get back to Perth, we're still going to stay in touch, you know, he's another long-time friend. Um, so it's great. That's the best part about comedy. Sharing love, it with those you love, yeah. I love the bromance. Yeah. yeah the, the bromance just, is real. This is like a movie love. in the making <laughs> right here. Like. That's how you get squad goals, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Take Noted. <laughs> so good. So Joe, you're the ambassador of the Katina Woodruff Children's Foundation. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with that? Yeah, so I did uh, an ad for this finance company I was working for. And then Katina Woodruff saw the ad and they said, hey, let's find out more about that kid. And then they came and approached me and asked me if I wanted to be an ambassador because I sort of shared the same story that the kids they work with have. It's a great foundation. So what it does is it helps 
kids with the transition into the Australian way of life. So these kids have migrated to Australia from all over the world and they've all had a traumatic experience when they've immigrated to Australia. So some of them are silent. They don't say anything because they just don't know how to live this new way of life. And I think I suffered a bit of that because when I came from Sudan to Perth, you know, I saw I was homeless in Sudan, right? So migrated here as a refugee with my parents, with my mom, sorry, and my brothers and sisters, single mom, by the way. And then now we're just, you know, living this normal way of life where there's no poverty around it. We have food, a roof of our head, school to go to. And we just, I was very silent my whole life, you know, because I was just trying to process all this new change. And that's what these kids are going through. And, but silence can sometimes lead to, uh, you know, bullying and all that. So what the Katina Woodruff uh, Children's Foundation do is they've created a method where they work with the children, the teacher, the family and the friends. They've got a, a method that they've created that helps the children sort of understand it is okay to live this way of life. It is okay to, that the past has happened, but now it's time for change and that they're in a safer place. And they just transition and become productive members of uh, the Australian community. And there's been a lot of examples of that as well. And so it, I've always wanted to work with kids and I thought this is a great way. So I've became an ambassador for them. But yeah, no, that sounds really awesome. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've got like a lot of awesome stuff going on. So what, what can we expect next from both you and Jason, Jason and Joe? Oh, J and J. Yeah. Like, <laughs> JJ's. Yeah. With double J's. Yeah. Fish hooks. Fish hooks. <laughs> That's what you should expect. Fish hooks. <laughs> Now, myself, as of June, so I've got a four-day conference uh, in Montreal, that's late July, and then I'm off to Toronto where I'm planning a show at a place called Comedy Bar, and then just do the same thing that we did in Australia and just take it around Canada and America. Um, but before I fly out to uh, Vancouver and then Montreal and Toronto in June, I've actually got three shows that I'm doing in Sydney. Uh, it hasn't been announced on my social media yet because everything has just been about the Melbourne Festival. So you heard it here first? <laughs> yeah. You say that? yeah, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Um, I think it's uh, it's on the 26th, 27th, so it's Friday and Saturday night. You know what? If Jason, Jason might join me. You never know, ladies and gents. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Depends if his mum or dad let him go. <laughs> so I'm going to head back to Perth at the end of the month um, and just start putting some material together. I'd love to put something together that I can bring to the Perth Fringe Festival next year um, and hopefully be able to bring it over to the Melbourne Comedy Festival and then I'd love to follow in his footsteps. I'd love to go around America and the world and and be able to share comedy and make the world laugh. And basically, I would love to be the Australian equivalent of somebody like Kevin Hart. Like that sort of success level is the mindset that I I want to, uh, you know, try and achieve. I think you've got the the height part sorted with Kevin Hart. (laughs) Two inches taller, so no reason why I can't be bigger than he is. (laughs) So, yeah, so where can people find you online? Yeah, so the, the best way and the easiest way is my uh, website, so joewhitecomedian.com. Otherwise, follow me on social media, so Facebook or uh, at, on Instagram at joe, at joe underscore white 86. Um, and I'm on Snapchat the same as well. Yeah. Uh, I am on my way to getting some of that started. So at the moment, it's just Jason Wood on Facebook, uh, Jace, a.k.a. Tiger on Instagram. Look out. Okay. Um, <laughs> about to have the same problems Tiger. Okay. Right. 
Tiger, aka Jace, on Snapchat. So, um, obviously, I don't have really a show that I promote, but I just do really dumb, pointless, sometimes funny stuff on Snapchat and Instagram. A lot of people tend to think it's funny, so I just share it and put it out there. Great. So, that is it for our Minority Spotlight segment. Stay tuned. Are we doing anything after Minority Spotlight? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's <laughs> the end of the show. Like, like, you've been doing this for three seasons now, but we've had like a break. Okay. Okay. So, make sure you check out all these great comedians, guys. And yeah, we'll see you next month. Well, that's it for today's show. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Continue to send in your messages to sassyinrssos at gmail.com. Also, make sure to hit the subscribe button in iTunes and please leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening and until next time, bye! bye.